Hello, and welcome to Potternot, a podcast for all of those with conflicted Harry Potter feelings, and for those who have absorbed Harry Potter through cultural osmosis and want to dive into the good and the bad. I am E, my pronouns are she, they, and I am a fledgling fan. I am Adela, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a fan in recovery. And I'm Zoe, she, her, a jaded fan. And we want to start off today's podcast by recognizing the current state of the world and the ongoing protests against uh, police brutality, especially against Black people worldwide. Um, We want to say that we wholeheartedly stand behind and support the Black Lives Matter movement. We are each you know, supporting and donating in the ways that we can, but we need to acknowledge that we are three white people who host a Harry Potter podcast. So we will be putting resources and links in our show notes for Black voices to listen to, uh, ways to educate yourself about what's happening, and places to donate. Hey y'all, this is Editing Adela just jumping in to say that if you love Harry Potter podcasts and other fan creations, there's a ton of content out there made by Black creators and you should go check them out. In particular, I'd like to shout out two podcasts that I enjoy myself, uh, Hashtag Wizard Team by Black Girls Create and The House of Black Pod. We'll also link a Twitter thread of more Black creators in the Harry Potter fandom in our show notes, so please check that out. Thanks. Um, And I also wanted to mention that this book that we're currently reading, The Prisoner of Azkaban, we will be talking about, especially in the chapters that we get into today, topics about prison and policing and what a society looks like where that is, you know, a big factor. So if that's not something you want to hear about right now, totally get it. We would also like to address the transphobic statements put out by JKR recently. Um, In case folks have not seen our Twitter statement, I'll go ahead and read it. We are disgusted by JKR's comments. Trans rights are human rights and trans women are women. We understand if this or any of her previous comments or her past actions, including but not limited to transphobia, taking over fandom spaces, cultural appropriation, and more, make it too difficult to listen to our podcast or consume any of JKR's media. We continue to struggle with reading, discussing, and loving these books written by this person and know that we stand with the trans community and the LGBTQ plus community. Fuck TERFs. Yeah, so... This, this happened, I guess, two weeks ago, um, and we, we have been kind of talking internally and uh, struggling to figure out how to continue doing Potternot, how to continue finding good things in these books when we're dealing with this from JKR. Um, we, took a, we took a break from recording um, because we needed to kind of think things over a little bit, um, but I kind of... I think that the most important thing to focus on, especially because our podcast is about fandom and it, it, it's sometimes, I think sometimes it seems like our podcast is more about the books than about the fandom, which is fine because we are reading the books, but we're looking at it from the perspective of the fandom because we are fans. And even like, regardless of what JKR says or believes, it is true that for the past 20 years, these books have been, super super important for queer kids of all kinds just as an escape as a place where they feel accepted fandom spaces created by harry potter fans have largely been open and accepting and often created by kids who are queer and trans etc 
and that's not something that she can take away from us. It's also important, like, yeah, Zoe was saying about JKR taking over fandom spaces. She wrote these books, but they don't belong to her anymore. The stories don't belong to her anymore. They belong to the readers. And the readers can interpret what they want from them and what we've interpreted from them, what most people have interpreted from them over the years is a message of fighting for what's right, standing up and fighting for justice and fighting for what you believe in and accepting people (laughs) for their differences. So I think we need to focus on that and look for that in the books, regardless of whether JKR meant it the way that we are interpreting it, and also try to look for more places where the fandom is doing good things. <laughs> good things, fun things, making it their own. For example, I was I was looking for some Tumblr posts that I remembered seeing in the past that were about trans kids going to Hogwarts and what it would be like for them and how the castle would automatically magically accommodate them um and as i was scrolling through tumblr looking for these i just saw like so many fanfics and art and just people speaking out especially recently in light of what jkr has recently said but just basically being like no this belongs to us and we're going to make it trans we're going to make it gay we're going to make it whatever we want to make it because this is our story and we care about it. So I think that's a big part of why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place. So I think that that's why I want to keep going with it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Okay. Let's start. <laughs> Good TED talk. Yeah. So we are continuing into book three. We read chapter five, The Dementor, chapter six, Talons and Tea Leaves, and chapter seven, The Boggart in the Wardrobe. Overall thoughts. Much better than how it started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, with with uh, um, poor Aunt Marge two or three weeks in the past uh, faded from my memory, these chapters went down a lot nicer. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot happens in them. One of the things that I had forgotten was how much I enjoy these chapters. Oh, they're you so know? good. They're really very good. Yeah. <laughs> I was particularly noticing, like, all the dialogue, how much I loved the way all of the dialogue was written in all of these chapters. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's a very, a lot happens in a really interesting way, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because there's um, things that are introduced in these chapters that come back in the opposite of what happened in book two that was so frustrating to me. A lot of the things that happen in these chapters come back in this book. In this book, yeah. Hmm. Which I really like. Yeah. Even things that are like, they also come back later in the books, but they come back in this book first. They're all addressed at some point in some form. Basically everything introduced in this in these three chapters is addressed within this book. I think there's one thing that isn't. And even that is like, nope, actually it might be addressed. It's, it's great. It's really good. <laughs> I'm just, these, are, these are three chapters that I think exemplify why I like book three. I think the writing is tight. I think the editing is good. Yeah. I think this yeah. is the right length book. I think that she goes off the rails with the length in future books. <laughs> They're just good chapters that introduce world building 
in the context of things that are actively happening in these chapters. It's less exposition and more like these are... It's show, don't tell. Yeah. Um, which she's not great at, but when she does it, the writing is great. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, a much more positive view on these three chapters. Um, once again, great uh, chapter art. Hands down, the best chapter art is um, of Professor Trelawney. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see what she looks like. So uh, as per usual, I am about to text my co-podcasters here. And then, of course, we will put this up on our Twitter um, because it's extremely good. And I got to say, she's played by Emma Thompson in the movies. Mm, she's so and good. She's, that sounds like a first really of all, cast. I have an enormous crush on Emma Thompson. And I always have. Aww. I both want to be her and to smell her. I don't even know what. Um, she's incredible. She's an incredible actress. She's an incredible activist. Um, she's just a wonderful woman, as far as I can tell. Please go and watch Ang Lee's 2005 Sense and Sensibility. Um, oh, I haven't is, seen that yet. Oh, And I finished the book, so I need to watch it. I will. Oh, okay. Please let me know when you watch it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Emma Thompson just, like, blows me away with most things that she does. And uh, this is a character unlike things that she's done in the past. And I think she just blows it out of the water. She does such an incredible job. So it's a character I love to hate. But, yes, I just put the, the chapter art in there for you to enjoy. It's very good. It's, it's very uh, good. It's very thin woman wearing a huge shawl and, and jewelry hunched over this enormous teapot like fucking enormous teapot the size of like the largest, the largest coffee carafe you've ever seen but it is a teapot <laughs> anyway i suppose we should start with the dementors which is uh a, a, a sizable chapter it's it's 30 pages in the american edition mm-hmm. which i think is yeah. one of the longer it's chapters it's a long chapter yeah there's a solid amount of reading in these yeah which I also like because I feel like it yeah. it gives it room to breathe. And I think that, as yeah. I've stated in earlier books, when she gives her writing room to breathe and she shows and doesn't tell, her writing shines and her character work shines. And I think that this mm-hmm. happens, especially with uh, Professor Remus J. Lupin. But um, for just the Dementor chapter, E, do you have any like big thoughts about this chapter? No big thoughts. Although I was... I don't remember if it's in this chapter or a bit later that that you learn that dementors are like prison guards. Yeah, which is which was a wild thing for me to learn personally. Okay, so you did not know that. No, I didn't know that. I just knew that they were like a thing, terrible, frightening <laughs> things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, when we get to the Pottermore page, we'll talk more about that. The Pottermore page is on Azkaban, which is the one that we read, if you would like to pause the podcast and go read, <laughs> that uh, is fucking wild. Yes. I don't think I had read yes. that one before. No, I um, definitely hadn't. I had assumed, just through osmosis, that Dementors were, you know, some sort of villainous creature mm-hmm. that existed to be defeated by Harry and company. Mm-hmm. What put it together for me is earlier, I think it's on the night bus... Mm. Where someone's like, yeah, yeah. The guards, of, guards of Azkaban are at the school. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
here they are. Yeah, and I think Adela is right. I think that they they say the they say something about the guards being terrifying in book two. Yeah. So yeah, wild, cool that uh that a creature can you know terrify a child into passing out is guarding. I would like to um point out so basically Dementor comes onto the, the the Hogwarts Express and Harry basically has a memory. Um, I, but I would like to point out Ginny's reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that the fandom, I think, more than the canon has pointed out, although there's a moment in book five that we'll come back to. But when you understand a little bit later what Dementors actually do, E, come back mm-hmm. and reread Ginny's description. Mm-hmm. The description of Ginny from this chapter when the Dementor comes in, because I think it's an important thing to recognize about Ginny. Which description do you mean? I feel like I remember it saying she's like white and shaking or something. Yeah. Fuddled yeah. yeah. in her corner, looking nearly as bad as Harry felt. Yes, yes. And the fact that she was shaking a lot. So when you read a little bit later what it is that Dementors actually do, uh, remember this description. Yeah. We meet Lupin in this chapter. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Lupin's great, and there's some great comedy in here involving him, but also involving the tram car itself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, when they're all tripping over each other in the dark. Yeah, (laughs) everybody's trying to... That's a great sequence. Uh, Yeah, Neville tries to sit on Crookshanks. Of course he does. Um, Then tries to move, and Harry's like, not here, I'm here. Yeah. You know, credit where credit's due, these chapters are well-written, and it's... This scene, especially of people fumbling around in the dark, and what do you say to people in the dark? And mm-hmm. yeah, indicating and things, indicating things just with dialogue. Um, great reintroduction of characters, also. Like Draco Malfoy and Harry had been enemies ever since they met on the first train journey to Hogwarts. Malfoy, who had a pale, pointed, sneering face, was in Slytherin House. He played Sleep Sneaker, Sneaker. <laughs> he played Seeker on the Slytherin Quidditch team, the same position that Harry. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, it's quick. It's under a paragraph. There isn't this whole sort of like in the, the way book two had to reintroduce everybody with these long descriptions. Mm-hmm. This is like, here's who they are. It's been a year since you've read one of these books. Like, bing, bang boom. Which mm-hmm. I appreciated. Um, Lupin. He's I mean, here. we're obviously going to talk a lot about Lupin in this book, but yeah, he is one of my favorite characters. This is the character who is... Maybe the least subtly named character. (laughs) Yeah, boy howdy. Yeah, E, do you you know? Do you know his secret, E? Um, Maybe a little bit, yeah. (laughs) Would you like to take a wild guess for the audience? The the first name means wolf in Latin, and I'm pretty sure the second name means wolf in Greek. Or maybe they're (laughs) both Latin. Um, um... Remus as in Romulus and Remus, who were suckled by a wolf and founded Rome. Yes. So Wolfie McWolf face. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is scared of something that looks like a crystal ball. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I, okay. Um, this is the point where I, I bring back, we talked about how J.K. is super transphobic and we fucking hate it. I want to just, since E knows the big secret about mm-hmm. Professor Lupin, he's a werewolf, etc. This is a really important metaphor that yes. she doesn't do a great job with about the AIDS crisis. But that she uh, has acknowledged was purposeful. Yes. This is purposefully like, a metaphor for the AIDS crisis. Yes. Yes. So the idea is that 
people with lycanthropy in the Harry Potter universe are seen in the same way that people with AIDS in the late 80s and early 90s were seen in that they couldn't get jobs, they couldn't hold down an apartment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not a great depiction for so many reasons, but I think an important one and one that is perhaps better than it could have been. This could have been so much worse. Sure. Which you know, I don't want to give praise for something that could have been so much worse, but this could have been so much worse. And it is an important aspect of Lupin's character, including later in the series and what happens with his storyline. So that's something we need to acknowledge is that. I don't remember. You know, I may have seen, you know, Tumblr meta uh, fan posts about that comparison you know between this character and and the aids metaphor i know that like lupin is one of the characters that i've seen so much fan content about which is like part of why i have you know some knowledge of this book is because there's just so much love for that character we're gonna have to talk about that later i don't think anything else happens in this chapter i mean should talk about Harry's reaction to the Dementor a little bit more, probably, maybe, because oh, it's yes. the first time that that happened. Drowning in cold, um, and then from far away, Hearing he screams. heard, yep, mm-hmm. uh, he wanted to help whoever it was, he tried to move his arms, but he couldn't. A reaction that is clearly not just a fear, like, not yes. just a panic reaction. And not just, like, what Ron says is, like, I'll never be happy again. Like, that's yeah. not... That's the not what Harry reaction. feels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also that, but like on such a different level, which I think is, is an important thing. Also, um, shout out to the healing power of chocolate. If yes. you've encountered yes. a Dementor, eat some chocolate. Um, in general, <laughs> if you're feeling down, eat some chocolate. I approve. Yeah. yeah. Harry and Hermione both have a meeting with her McGonagall. McGonagall just tells Harry to be safe, I guess. <laughs> Or asks him if he's okay. Um, um, okay, is... but like, we have to talk about Madame Pomfrey. And oh, yes, yes. It's <laughs> so cute. It's so um, good. I love Madame that. Madame Pomfrey Poppy is so frustrated that there are Dementors, but very impressed that Lupin knows his shit and gave Harry chocolate. Um, but <laughs> setting Dementors around a school, she muttered, pushing back Harry's hair and feeling his forehead. He won't be the last one who collapses. Yes, he's all clammy. Terrible things they are. And the effect they have on people who are already delicate. I'm not delicate, said Harry Crossley. <laughs> of course you're not, said Madame Pomfrey, absentmindedly, now taking his pulse. Like, I it's love wonderful. her. <laughs> I love Madame Pomfrey. So I'm sure this is going to be explained later in the book, but is Hermione doing time travel? <laughs> okay i think it's no comment obvious. no comment <laughs> she is ridiculous i love her i think that's one of those things that jkr set up as a mystery and it's not yeah it's like how are you going to three classes at once oh but she's coming to the class with us okay so she's just going to come to one class today oh but she Went to the other class also? What? <laughs> yeah, like, not very well hidden. I love that that is McGonagall's solution. To you are trying to take ten classes is not, you should take Don't few classes, but we will break the laws of nature so that you can take more classes. Uh-huh. Um, this is something that breaks the 
books <laughs> and is uh-huh. retconned later because this breaks the books in yeah, like a really a... big way. Yeah. You can't just casually throw in a time travel system that a yeah. 13-year-old has access to. <laughs> yeah. So keep that in mind. <laughs> I can't wait to um, find out what. Of course, the big question is then, like, why not just fucking go back and kill Voldemort? Yeah. Like, why? If a 13 year old can get access to this for her classes. Like, why? Because, like, why isn't this being used by everyone for everything? Exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, Hagrid has a new teaching appointment. C- Professor Kettleburn is retiring with the remaining limbs that he has, which is a great description of working with magical creatures. Um, is that, is that, a professor who's ever seen no just like that's just a, a line here i feel like i've read something about him probably on pottermore maybe i think he's worked with newt scamander mm. okay oh so he was like super old <laughs> yeah i think he's in his like 70s and he's literally retiring with what few limbs he has left <laughs> <laughs> hagrid is so cute hagrid is so cute hagrid is so cute <laughs> Sorry, not Professor. Sir Cadogan. I love. I kind of always hated Sir Cadogan. <laughs> I I am very entertained by Sir Cadogan. I don't love him as a character. I'm very entertained by him. I feel the same way about him that the students do, which is what the fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I think is how you're supposed to feel. Um, oh yes. I just I like I love the idea that this the paintings have their own like society within hogwarts they so do <laughs> oh yeah all right let's talk about professor trelawney's bullshit <laughs> divination class should we read her description now or here i've got it um a voice came suddenly out of the shadows a soft misty sort of voice welcome it said how nice to see you in the physical world at last harry's immediate impression was of a large glittering insect Professor Trelawney moved into the firelight, and they saw that she was very thin. Her large glasses magnified her eyes to several times their natural size, and she was draped in a gauzy, spangled shawl. Innumerable chains and beads hung around her spindly neck, and her arms and hands were encrusted with bangles and rings. Also, her classroom would immediately make me want to vomit. It's, like, overheated with, like, sickly perfume coming out of the fire, and all the lamps are draped in red scarves like, I, super I would walk cramped. in get a headache and immediately oh, yeah. have to leave like there is no way harry gets headaches in that classroom all the time like, yeah buddy i also have sense sensitivity like yeah get me the fuck out of this classroom i wanted to mention that when i was reading trelawney's description this time i was like this sounds like something from Roald Dell. like this sounds like Dell wrote this description yeah especially the large glittering insect i feel like yeah, this this professor is bullshit. That's yeah. what I think. I think she's very fun, but I happen to agree with Hermione. Uh-huh. And McGonagall. Um and McGonagall. I wanna re I wanna talk about how Harry and I just wanna talk about Harry and Ron's like relationship with divination class throughout the books because it is like one of the funniest things to me. Yeah. Is, especially with regards to their actual schooling. I have to find the, okay, what page is page 81 in the British edition, where they are trying to read their tea leaves. Yeah, it's a good back and forth. Uh, Ron asks Harry what he can see in in Ron's 
tea leaves. And Harry says, a, a load of soggy brown stuff. Yeah. Um, and then he like tries to pull himself together and he says, right, you've got a wonky sort of cross. Uh, that means you're going to have trials and suffering. Sorry about that. Uh, but there's a thing that could be the sun. Hang on. That means great happiness. So you're going to suffer, but be very happy. <laughs> and then Ron says, you need your inner eye testing, if you ask me. Um, it's good. good and then banter. Ron says, like, yeah. Um, but it's like a common thing throughout the books of Ron and Harry basically just like making up everything they do for divination's homework and just being like, what is the worst thing I could possibly say? That's what she'll accept. And then she'll like give me an A. <laughs> um, and it's, it's great. I do really love the bit right after, you know, when they're in McGonagall's class and she's like, all right, who'd she say is going to die this year? <laughs> <laughs> and immediately everyone's like, oh, <laughs> this is like normal. Like, oh, it's just, that's just how that professor is. Uh, we learn about the Grim. Yep. The black dog. What do you think about the Grimmy? Well, we've seen a black dog. We sure have. And Ron is very worried about it. Yeah. I love the way that Hermione talks about it. I mean, like, I also really like, not just the way that Hermione talks about it, but the way that there's a split in the class between Muggleborns mm -hmm. and, and I don't want to say pureblood, but like people who grew up in the magical world. Yeah. Um, because she says, my dear, it's the Grim." And everyone, like, half the class is like, oh, no. Yeah. And, like, at least some of the class is like, I'm sorry, what is it? <laughs> yeah. Dean Thomas shrugged. Lavender Brown looked puzzles. But Lavender Brown buys in hardcore. But, like, I do think that there's a little bit of, of sort of interesting cultural yeah. knowledge that is part of this class. Yeah. That if you don't have the cultural knowledge, then, like, you just miss shit, which I find really interesting. Mm-hmm. Fortune telling and, and divination and all of that stuff is, like, really culture-specific. It is. Because, like, you're drawing on symbolism, and symbolism is, like, you know, really, really specific to, to a shared, you know, cultural experience. Yeah. Um, we also get Hagrid's first lesson in this chapter. Oh, Hagrid. Yeah. Like I said, lots of, it's lots like, of things happen here. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good lesson, actually. It's a really good lesson. And it was and going you... really well. Until Malfoy. <sighs> like, let me be clear. Hagrid, not a great teacher. Wonderful human-ish. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And when he's, like, I, this is a thing that I noticed this time. Like, and I, I remember this happens every time we see him teaching and he gets, like, sidetracked or, like, distracted by the Slytherins or whoever is causing him grief. Is that, like he gets so anxious and i wasn't interpreting it as anxious before until this time oh yeah like they everyone who's like antagonizing him reads it as like him being stupid or whatever but it's just that he's so anxious he can't cuz i feel like he he did have a good lesson planned i mean maybe a, pr a little bit too advanced for I was third gonna years say, yeah i think but it's it was too a good, advanced yeah but it was still like he had it planned out and he probably had things he was going to say but then he couldn't remember how to say them because i also yeah. think that you see in later books that he's not a great teacher mm. well yeah there yes <laughs> yeah i think the thing that comes out in this scene is that he is very very good at caring for magical creatures yeah but 
not so much at teaching children. And I do think that, like, the thing that Malfoy says is, because you're not supposed to offend hippogriffs, mm-hmm. but what he doesn't say is they understand human speech. Mm-hmm. Really, if this was a class that was taught well, each student only goes up to the hippogriff with Hagrid standing right there. Yeah. They don't go up on their own in the first class at all. And the thing that Malfoy says is not actually an insult, right? Like, he says... He's, um, like, affectionately insulting it. Yeah. He says, I knew it must have been... I bet you're not dangerous at all, he said to the hippogriff. Are you, you great ugly brute? Like, it's... Except that I wouldn't call that affectionate, but... No. It's, like, it's not quite on the level where, you know, I call my cat a fat dummy. Yeah. Or whatever. Like... Malfoy's speaking as if he thinks it can't understand him. Yes, Mm -hmm. and it was not made clear because what it seems like Hagrid is saying is if you don't bow to this hippogriff, it will take it as an insult and that it will hurt you. Mm, But Malfoy is past that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason to understand or assume that a hippogriff who has no human reaching parts at all and is not like a merperson or anything can understand human speech. So... Look, Malfoy is a massive asshole and should not have done what he did after this, which is like, you know, playing the tragic wounded hero or whatever. Yeah. But I actually, controversial opinion, don't think that this was his fault. No, <laughs> not entirely. I, yeah, yeah. I love Hagrid. I love Hagrid. He's not a good teacher. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's important to recognize although, because it will Although, back. although, like, and this is something that the trio talks about sometimes too there are times when he is forced to teach a creature that is not dangerous and it turns out that he actually knows a lot about them and is like teaching properly yeah Um, but part of being a teacher is like choosing a lesson yes so he is capable of being a good teacher he is not a good teacher yes is what i would say that's a good distinction he's capable of it but doesn't actually do it because yeah. he is he loves monsters too much. Um I don't say too much, but I'm glad they go and visit him. He's clearly very anxious about his first day teaching. Mm-hmm. Like all the way from the banquet scene to like in the class to this afterwards, yeah. like he's very nervous about it. Yeah. And I do think that um he is always a little bit cautious about Harry, but I think his reaction here is a good indicator of how the staff feels about yes. Harry being outside the castle. Yeah. Like, really jumpy. Yeah. Um, Boggart in the wardrobe? Boggart in the wardrobe. Uh, hands down best scene in the third movie? Oh, yes. I love that scene. It also has such a good music. I love the soundtrack it, for that yes. scene. Cannot um, wait to specifically, see Alan, Rickman. Alan Rickman in the dress. <laughs> I can't um, wait to see it. Snape. Uh, Bogart. Wait, are um, you gonna sh- you're gonna spoil it? Don't spoil it. Oh, but it's so good. No, but no, I, I no. need to wait. I need to wait. Okay. I see it in the movie. Okay, it's really good though. It's great. Um, because also it's Alan Rickman, and I love Alan Rickman. Yeah. Speaking of Snape, the uh, potions class sucks. Yeah, we start with the potions class. We should address that. I mean, it's not that different from any other potions class. It's difficult potions, yeah. Where Snape is like... There is an emphasis on Neville, though. There is. Yeah, it's specifically Neville this time. 
purposefully written in because of the way the chapter ends, but this is a very Neville-centered chapter, chapter, which I appreciate. There should be more. Because yeah. we haven't had a lot of Neville. We didn't get much of Neville in book two. Well, um, yeah, so Snape is antagonizing Neville in the... You know, Neville can't make his potion right, and then Snape says, well, we're going to use yours for the demonstration. So Hermione, like, whispers some instructions to him to get it and right. therefore his toad does not die, which is yeah. good because he loves Trevor. Yeah. He loves Trevor. And then Hermione loses five points because she yeah. was she, helping. Yeah. <laughs> um, bad teaching. Mm-hmm. Really bad. I mean, like, just like... It... <laughs> it's just so... It's... Yeah. There's like also... There's... Ah. It's like, this is another one of those scenes that's like, just really laying it on thick that you're supposed to hate Snape. Yeah. Yeah. And Draco. Yep. I, I, I just, I don't understand how people like Snape. I just don't understand how people like Snape. Yeah, I understand I'm, intellectually that people do, but I just don't understand it. I'm interested to see, to read the, you know, attempt at humanizing him mm. and giving him an interesting story that comes later. Because I know it's coming. Mm-hmm. I know people have mixed feelings about it. And I can't wait to have mixed feelings about it. <laughs> yep. Yep. To speak under the mis- mixed feelings. Oh, yeah. Uh, should we look at... Uh, the, the way that Neville responds in the Boggart. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we get our first class with Lupin. Which is actually really great. Yeah, Lupin is the cool teacher. Lupin <laughs> is the cool teacher. He is the cool teacher. He's the real cool teacher. You can actually imagine him being in his like late 20s, early 30s here. Yeah. Um, which is not who they cast in the movies because they cast Alan Rickman as Snape and they're supposed to be the same age. Um, but uh you get the great wadiwasi uh spell which appears to make chewing gum go up someone's nose (laughs) it's a very specific spell i imagine that it would be like any small item but (laughs) very specific spell i love thomas dean's reaction to this which is cool sir um cool sir yeah it's this like you like it's it's lupin it's lupin like putting him not putting himself on the level of the students but just being like hey like i don't know just like joking around with a student right yeah exactly and not in a like not in a in a patronizing way in a like fun i don't know yeah it's not hello fellow teens but also it's like this is i'm also teaching you a thing at the same time like this is a spell that you can use it's a defensive spell that is like Potentially really useful, yeah. Yeah, on this particular poltergeist who is a pain in the ass. Yeah, and then we get more shittiness from Snape. Possibly no one's warned you, Lupin, but this class contains Neville Longbottom. I would advise you not to entrust him with anything difficult. Not unless Miss Granger is hissing instructions in his ear. Like, are you fucking kidding? Yeah. Yeah. At least the book does use the word bullying. Like, the book does say... You know, it's bad enough that Snape bullied Neville in his own classes, let alone doing it in front of other teachers. Yeah, and then poor Neville is put on the spot again. And this is the part that we talked about Snape a while ago, and and one of the things that I said is, like, this poor child at 13, the thing that he fears most, given his past, is still his potions teacher? Yeah. Yeah. That's real bad. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just thinking further into that of, like, like, we know, I mean, Zoe and I know about Neville's past, but, like, I'm thinking specifically of things he could actually see 
if he was that was his biggest fear and like and it's professor snape yeah it's professor snape i mean snape has been terrorizing neville daily for three years now yeah yes i still think it's pretty incredible that it's snape hmm neville i believe you'll live with your grandmother uh yes said neville nervously but i don't want the bogger to turn into her either oh <laughs> yeah Poor Neville. I just want to hug him. It's nice that Lupin doesn't like react openly to the kid's greatest fear being his fellow teacher. Yeah, that, and also I feel like, yeah, he probably has thoughts about it. Um, I want to read a fanfic of Lupin's thoughts of that (laughs) scene. Anyway, um, but I also like the way he buoys Neville. That's what I was gonna say. That's like I feel like I feel like I almost feel like. I don't think he had it. He decided who he was going to have as his first like demonstrator until Snape said that. And he was like, okay, I'm going to have this kid. Like this kid deserves to try. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And to be given like some confidence or like have some confidence put in him. Should we talk about the things that the bogger turns into? Yeah. For each person. Yeah. So for Harry, he was thinking about Voldemort, but in the end, the thing that he fears is fear basically, right? The Dementors. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Which Although I think he is... doesn't have a turn with the bogger. No. Deliberately. But we've got Snape that turns into Snape inside of Neville's grandmother's clothes, which is fantastic. Parvati, who has a mummy who uh, trips on its own wrappings. Seamus, um, who's a banshee who loses her voice. Um, a rat, which chases its tail in a circle. We don't know who that is. A rattlesnake, which slithered and, and writhed. We don't know who that is. A single bloody eyeball. We don't know. Dean Thomas, a severed hand, which uh-huh. gets was, trapped in a mousetrap. Yeah, I was I, like, okay. I mean, this, hands what? scuttling on the floor. That's scary. Fair. You know scary, what it reminded yes. me of? Um, for those of you who haven't read it, is Coraline. Oh, man. Mm. Yeah. Um, I recommend Coraline by neil gaiman i he has quoted it he has he has been quoted saying it's the strangest book he ever wrote because children love it and it gives adults nightmares so keep that <laughs> in mind um and then you have ron it turns into an acromantula who then mm-hmm. loses its legs giant spider yeah um and then it goes to harry but lupin takes over it looks quote unquote like a crystal ball is are those the words a shining a silvery orb. white orb oh, yeah. 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 The moment. yeah. And then it ends with Neville, who at this point is like determined and also kills the Boggart. Yeah. Which is is kind of cool. Yeah. Um yeah, it's Lavender who asks, I wonder why Professor Lupin's are f- frightened of crystal balls. Who could say? And that's where we end for the day. But like yeah. there's a lot there. We also don't see Hermione's. No, oh, and no. we don't get to know what it is either. I've always oh, wanted though, to know what it is. Um, yes, we do. So, uh, Ron just Ron um, Ron teases her. Where is it? Ron teases her. Said, "What would it have been for you a piece of homework that only got nine out of 10? It's adult. I won't spoil it, but I'll just say it's very similar to that. What we do find yeah. out what it is. It's <laughs> it's, it's very good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Boggarts come back. Yes, this is not the only time that you see a boggart and. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I do think that it is sort of interesting that the students are all able to come up with something mm-hmm. that is sort of physical yeah. and tangential. Well, and I, I wonder... feel like I don't feel like I feel like Harry's only the well, I mean Harry's the only one we know is thinking about it. I feel like isn't the bogart it it turns into your greatest fear whether you know what your greatest fear is or not. 
So it's not mm, that they, it's yeah. not that people are like thinking about their greatest fear and that's why it turns into it. Although yeah. you do have to have something in mind to like change it. To change it, yes. Which means that you have to have some idea of what might be. I guess. If you come across a boggart unawares, you will not have that in mind and you have to which is why Lupin is teaching us how to do it. Yeah, like even if you do have it in mind, this happens True. later. Yeah. Um, there's no guarantee that you will have the like, I don't want to say inner strength, but like kind of inner strength. The mental to... capacity at the time to. Yeah. 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 Like there's a reason that these yeah. are really scary. And they're able to do it because there are so many of them. Like, yeah. 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 Empowering each other in the moment. Yeah. So, um, but a really interesting magical creature to learn about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and interesting that the um... one little brief thing I want to mention, we, like we're not going to look too much into the Bogart Pottermore page, but it does say that the that Bogarts are not a living creature. True. Which is like I don't, so I don't really know. I just are they like a spirit? I guess then. I think so. Or, yeah. Is that what it means by it that? It says they're similar to poltergeists and dementors, and they can be killed, but then they just like crop up other places. They're just like yeah. pests, basically. Yeah. This, um, this Pottermore page is basically a wiki entry. Another thing I wanted to, I wanted to say about Bogarts before we move on, um, as I was thinking about more, we'll talk about this more when we talk more about Dementors a lot later in the book. But I was just thinking about the similarities in the not in the creature itself, but in the which there is there are similarities similarities between a bogger and a dementor in what they do yeah. but um i'm thinking more about the similarities between the how they are defeated which you don't know yet how mm. dementors are defeated so we won't talk yeah. about it quite yet but um yeah it's just it's very i just i just found that an interesting yeah. it's an interesting commentary too right yeah. like the the idea that laughter can defeat fear what i was thinking of when i was reading this was I don't know if there's any explicit connection, but I was thinking about the Mirror of Erised. Yeah. Which is another magical, not a creature, but an object that manifests, you know, something from within your own mind Mm -hmm. as something to lure you. Huh. You know, again, I I assume that is not a connection that the books ever have, but, but just that that is, that's a theme of magical objects and creatures and especially of in this magical object objects and creatures that are seen as sinister because like mm-hmm. the, yes. the mirror of erised is seen as sinister as well yeah so these are things that that can see inside yeah, of a person things that act on your desires that act on your fears that yeah your, you know, whatever uh, uh do we want to <laughs> look at the azkaban page yeah, yeah we should do that we should do that so I'll ask the question I always ask for these pages. Mm-hmm. How much of this was the author just going off writing some nonsense? Absolutely okay. all of it. Yeah, the, none of this is in the we have text. no history. We have no history of Azkaban in the books. Okay, yeah. So what this page is, if anyone is listening who has not looked at it, which is understandable because this is an audio medium. Uh, this is basically a history page for mm-hmm. Azkaban. Um, it talks about how it's an island in the North Sea. Originally, it was the home of a sorcerer who a is bad dude. quote unquote insane. Um, real bad dude, practitioner of dark arts, tortured sailors for pleasure, 
Muggle sailors. Muggle sailors. Nobody from the Ministry of Magic knew that that was even happening because it was concealed. Yeah. yeah. Until so he died. Once he died, they were able to investigate. And the least frightening part was the Dementors. Mm-hmm. Which is terrifying. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And then a couple hundred years later, they were like, hmm, we need a, we need a prison. What if we put... What if we put our prisoners there? in the abandoned haunted island full of depression creatures? Yeah. yeah. When the Statue of Secrecy was imposed... Uh, the thing about it is small wizard prisons, people try to escape all the time, and rather than having to, like, wipe muggles' minds of, like, interesting flashbangs happening in the distance, they decided to put everybody off on an island that was already mm-hmm. ready-made, and the minister at the time was super draconian. And so, like, that was also part of it. And mm-hmm. so we should talk about... E brought this up at the beginning, but essentially what's happening is not necessarily imprisonment without due process, because we do later see trials. Yes. But probably at this time, imprisonment without due process, because there's mm-hmm. no indication of when due yeah. process was instituted in the magical and world. Also, I don't know what kind of wizard crimes they were committing in the 17th century, mm-hmm. but it probably wasn't, you know, life in prison worth. Yeah, yeah, and life in this prison. Especially not life in this prison. You do see short-term visits. The idea being like that like, you have been, it. yeah, like yeah. small punishment. Well, so it's not necessarily Hagrid came life. back because of appeals. Yes. Mm, true. I don't think. No, there, there are no, there, there are other short term. Okay. Yeah, it's not necessarily a life sentence, except that the PTSD it probably causes is a life sentence. Yes, it is a lifelong trauma for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just I want to talk. Do we want to talk more about the? The idea of the prisons? <sighs> I think. Um, I don't know. I'm sort of like, is it worth it? Is my question. Yeah. Like, mm. I keep, I don't know, I keep returning to this, but I feel like it's, especially because this is just something the author wrote as side content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that case, I think the more interesting thing here, not necessarily more interesting, but maybe more interesting in the context of the rest of the series, um, rather than in the world in which we live is mm-hmm. the origin of the Dementors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is important for the rest of the series. I think what I'll do is I will look up and see if I can find an article or something explaining the idea of prison abolition. And put yeah, that in and our we're going to put notes. a bunch of links in the show notes and please, please, please check these out. But I want to mention, you know, prison abolition specifically, not just in this moment, but specifically as a rebuttal to this Mm-hmm. This type of imprisonment, yeah. And the idea of imprisonment in general. Yeah. yeah. This is horrific, but also imprisonment, the way it exists in our world right now, also sucks. Yeah. Yes. And there are better ideas out there. So I want to make sure that's something we at least link a resource for. Um, I, it doesn't... Does it say that Dementors, like originated from Azkaban? I don't it doesn't really say no. that. It just says that it was infested with them and then they bred. Yeah, and they bred. Um it's been I think it's it's made clear at some points in the books that like dementors are bred from like collective places trauma, of basically trauma, like collective yeah. places of trauma and like poor mental health. 
Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I do think that it's important to note how powerful they are that like the collective wizarding world was like, no, we can't take away their home because they will attack us. Um, yeah. And that's where they live. And they, they like, they create despair and then they feed off of it. So they literally can just be, they can just infinitely become more powerful. Yeah. The fact that there's a grave on Azkaban from mm-hmm. the prisoners who died in captivity, which yeah. the ministry did not know about. Yeah, they don't, it's not like they communicate. I've always wondered that, like, how do they communicate with the Azkaban guards? I think they give orders and sometimes they're followed. Yeah. I want to talk quickly about her thoughts. Oh, I was going to mention, mention two yeah. things Go ahead. From, the, from the thing before that. Um, just uh, two things of note from the history. Uh, the There was an attempt at uh, reform of the prison in... 15 the, years later. Yeah. Um, by Magic Minister for Magic Diggory. Um, Shout out to he, Eldritch Diggory. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Good name. But unfortunately, he died before he was able to uh, push through with that. Um, but I will mention this is because he didn't get to read the end of the thing, but um, it does get this. It's not, I don't think it's a spoiler, just to mm-hmm. say that the mentors are gone by the end of the books. They are purged from oh, Azkaban. And it is, yeah. It um, is shut down. It is, well, it's not shut down. It's replaced. They're, they're replaced by actual horrors from the Ministry for Magic. So it's a regular bad prison. Yeah. yeah regular. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, I do want to talk about her thoughts, uh, which is about the name Azkaban. Um, it's derived from a mixture of the prison Alcatraz, which is off the course of California, really terrible place, um, and Abaddon, which is a Hebrew word meaning place of discre- dis- destruction or depths of hell. I guess I just want to emphasize that Abaddon is only considered hell in the Christian Bible. Mm-hmm. There is no hell in the Tanakh. There's Sheol, which is a place of death of, for humanity, but that's it is more, not. It's more just more equivalent that's to everybody. Like Hades. Yes, just, it's just like it's just a generic there. place where you go and you stay until the Messiah arrives. But it's not. There is no hell in the Jewish Bible. In the Jewish Bible, it is, it means, it's, it's like definition and how it is used is a bottom, it's a void. It's a bottomless okay. pit. But it does not have the implication of Satan or of hell or anything like that. It's just a, it's just a place that is a void. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually think that that is a more interesting, like I wish she hadn't said hell in that because oh, I think that yeah. actually a void and place of destruction, which is her other definition that she gives on this page, is a mm-hmm. lot more useful for a description of Azkaban because yeah. you can call it hell, but that has so many implications yes. that actually a void and a place of destruction as defined in the Old Testament, I find it to be a much more accurate description to what is going on with Azkaban. And I think that that's good that she gives both, but I, I would say that the hell description, while accurate to the Christian Bible, is not accurate to the original Hebrew yeah. and I think is also less accurate to Azkaban, yeah. Yeah, it's also less interesting. You yeah. Know, avoid, you know, a place that you go and can't come back from. A place where you cease to exist. Yeah. Thank you for It is also an angel in the Christian. The it's the Lord. angel of the abyss in the, in the ah, Christian text. Okay. Um, so there's like a couple of definitions there, but. 
Anyway. I'm pretty sure they named a character Abaddon in Supernatural. They absolutely did. Like, I'm 100% oh, yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, did. definitely. I yes. had a face. Don't at me. So did I. Hey. <laughs> hey. We all, we've all been there. We have really all been there. So there's a lot happening here in these chapters and in, like, the way that things are described in these chapters and the society that is implied in these chapters. Mm-hmm. Are there prisons that are not Azkaban? Not as far as we know. Yeah, not stated. Not stated in the books. So if you're a wizard and you do a crime that is worth, you know, in wizard law, is worth imprisonment, yep. that's just where you go. I think there's probably holding cells in the ministry. Yeah, I was going to say that, and there's probably, like, there's probably, like, community service and stuff for lesser yeah. crimes, but, like, yeah, you get a certain, you get it a really puts number of years. Harry's fears into context from like chapter yeah, 100%. one it's like i'm gonna use magic at my house and then go to wizard jail yeah. to die yeah i do think that there is another level of punishment which is they snap your wand and you can't buy a new True. one yes yes that is but usually isn't that part of going to azkaban that's just like cultural like i can't think of the word just like kick out of the culture basically yeah. which is another form of psychological yeah yeah so that sucks (laughs) wizarding world not good at justice turns out we'll learn more about that later wizarding world very white place we'll learn about that more towards the end of this book in the fourth book in the fifth book and the sixth book the sixth Um, book (laughs) but not the seventh Focused on other things over there. If I remember right, <laughs> the justice that's done in that one is he dies. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> we're not there yet. We're not there. Next time, we are going to be reading three more chapters: Flight of the Fat Lady, Grim Defeat, and The Marauder's Map. It is another like one of the things that we mentioned when we started this book is it, it breaks up really thematically. Mm-hmm. Um, really nicely so this is like we're back at school time and then you have middle of the year shenanigans time and then you have building context right yeah there's some interesting things that happen in the next chapter uh in the next set of chapters i guess the only thing that i want to warn you about i don't know i don't know i don't know i feel like i feel like the aids metaphor i think becomes more obvious in the next chapter set i think that's what i want to say Okay. Do you think we should talk about it then or wait until the book is... I think we should talk about it intermittently. I think we also are going to be talking about this for the next three books. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Next four books. Sorry. I think for the rest of the series, we're going to be talking about the AIDS metaphor. to draw out a bad metaphor. It's not a bad metaphor. It's a metaphor that works sometimes poorly. Yeah. Inexpertly inexpertly executed. Yeah. Um, I think that there's actually some really interesting aspects to it that hold true for historical context, but not the way that it could be improved on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening to Pod or Not. Uh, I have been E. You can find me on Twitter at CEL10E. I'm Adela. You can find me on Twitter at Aradel, A-R-E-D-H-E-L underscore underscore. I'm Zoe. You can find me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz. 
Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z. You can buy my book, Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans, wherever books are sold. Uh, you can follow the show at Potternot on Twitter and Tumblr. Uh, if you want to send in any thoughts or questions as we read this book, feel free to do so. Remember that um, the Tumblr is the inbox I don't look at, so if you have anything with spoilers in it, feel free to send it there. Uh, you can also find more music by Morgan Jackson, who did our theme at we did the time warp again bandcamp.com. Take a look at our show notes where we will be linking a number of resources of places to donate and educate yourself about the Black Lives Matter and defunding the police and uh, prison abolition movement. Um, we hold these values dear and we hope that you do as well. Uh, we also understand that this is not necessarily a time where people are taking breaks. Uh, we encourage you to make sure that you are keeping yourself healthy um, and to take breaks, but we know that that is not possible for everyone. Uh, and we acknowledge that we have the privilege to do this and we thank you all for supporting us, but please go and support these other things. Yes. Thank you for listening right. and we'll be back in a couple weeks. Good luck and stay safe, everybody. Yes. Yeah. Thank you.